Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Before I get into the podcast today, I want to let you know something that's really exciting that's coming up early next year, and it's called the Mentor Masterclass. If you're listening because you own a business or just have a bloody brilliant idea, come along to this live event. It's suited to anyone and everyone at every stage of business, whether you're starting off or whether you're thinking about it or whether you're already in the middle of your business or maybe if you're at the end of your business and you want to sell it. It suits everyone. The link is in the podcast description, so make sure you check it out. Now, this week, my guest is Matt Purcell. Matt is a fascinating guy who is doing a lot of interesting stuff. He runs a creative art school, he's a youth worker, and he's a life coach. And he's in the process of launching his own content business to start up in 2019. Matt also has his own podcast, and it's called The Examine Life. And I was a guest on that podcast earlier this year. I want to talk to Matt about how he found his mission to help people, and how he's now turned that into various business streams. I want to know how he does it, how he stays creative, and what his future plans are to inspire other people to help them achieve their dreams and their goals. And I'm going to dig into his background and I want to see how that helped form the bloke we talked to today. So let's get into it. Matt Purcell, welcome to The Mentor. Uh, it's great to be here, Mark. Good to see you, mate. You too. Now, I, I, I will say this up front. I have been on Matt's, uh, on his podcast, um, and he's now on my podcast. And uh, and I didn't say to him when I went agreed to go on his podcast, look, I'll do it on yours if you no. do it on mine. That's, <laughs> but mind, mind you, it was in the back of my mind. Um, and I was introduced to Matt through Andrew Morello, who won the first Apprentice series back in 2009. Wow. And uh, Andrew still works for me. You know Andrew well, do you? Yeah. yeah we're good mates. brothers. Yeah, good yeah, mates. Yeah, good mates. Um, and Andrew still works for me, which is Really cool. Um, and he's a really good bloke. Mm. Now, I need to talk to Matt. There's a few enigmatic <laughs> things for those of you who don't know him. A um, few enigmatic things about him for a start. His name's Matt Purcell. You know, Matt's short for Matthew. And uh, Purcell is, sounds like it's sort of your common English name. Well, not common, but, like, you know, it comes out of English. Mm. Yet I'm sitting across from a guy who is distinctly Asian in uh, genetics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got Asian hardware yeah. and Australian software. That's okay, yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and he's a cool looking dude. He's got everything going on. He's got the he's got the do, <laughs> and uh, he's got a little mo. And it's not there because of November. It's it's permanent. I think. Every yeah, time it's because um, I'm like most Asian guys around you know 29, 30 years old, you look like you're 17 or 18. <laughs> So I grow a moustache. That's taken me um, 
nine months to grow any facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's looking good. You're rocking a good one. It's oh, good. It's thanks, still it's good. And uh, he's got he's got the double earrings going, and uh, he and he's got a black t shirt, sleeves up. He's sort of rocking it cool. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to dig into what it's all about here now. So, okay, mate, tell me <laughs> what is your genetic background, please? I'm Korean, so Korean. South Korean. Some South people Korean. ask what. Oh, you gotta be serious, right? You can't be serious about North Korea, but South Korea, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, so, if I showed you a picture of my mum and dad, my dad looks like you, kind of, but you're much fitter, and you know, like, but he's got grey hair, white skin. My mum's, but four. he's Korean. No, he's Australian. He's Australian guy, yeah. And my mum is Australian too. So, like, I was like, as soon as I was old enough to understand, I looked at myself in the mirror and looked at my parents. I was like, something's wrong here. <laughs> and they're like, well, today's the day. Um, Son, you're adopted. And I'm like, oh. oh. How old were you? Um, well, I was a baby when I was adopted. No, but, but how old were you when you asked that question? I was about four or five. Really? Yeah. And uh, my sister, who's from Taiwan, uh, they adopted, my mum and dad adopted two people, so myself and Kristen. And uh, we're very close. She's four years younger than me. And so we grew up at a time where, in Newcastle where I'm from, which it wasn't very common to see adoption around the time when I was a kid. So I kind of joke around at schools and in seminars about how um, it looked like these two, you know, white parents kidnapped these two like Asian looking kids and you know, it just totally didn't look right. But um, my parents are lovely. Um, yeah, and, and well, I, I guess also Newcastle too, that's probably a little bit unusual 30 years ago. Um, mm. You know, like uh, white parents, Novocastrians, uh, they from no, they are from Newcastle, are they? Yeah, parents? they are. Yeah. Novocastrians adopting sort of two kids, one from Taiwan, one from Korea. It's pretty cool, actually. So were there many um, Korean kids in your school? No, we were like one of, well, it's probably like three kids that were Asian in our school. So the whole was, school. Yeah, there wasn't yeah. an Asian invasion happening there like there are in Sydney. And <laughs> Yeah, no, well, that today, but I have to say when I went to school, there was uh, one Asian kid in my whole school and his name was Michael Chinua. He was a great sportsman, actually. And mm. um, uh, yeah, one Asian kid in my whole school and that was out of Lakemba, but you know, but today that that school is probably you know probably you know twenty percent Asian. I don't know, but so that that would have been unusual growth environment, like and p- particularly being adopted. Um, mm. Did it? Did to some extent any of that have an effect on you today? Do you think that helped form you? Yeah, definitely. Because well, it didn't bother me at all, really, Mark. Because mum and dad loved me very much, and my sister. It was a distinct moment in my life. But when I was six years old, my mum and dad sat us down and said, "We're separating." And that's when my adoption really started to be on my mind. Because like, well, as a kid, you know, separation has different, you know, effects on different kids. So for me, I was like, oh, what about my birth parents now? What, 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 what if I had lived there? Would this have happened? And so I started getting very insecure with the separation and at schools, like gravitating towards certain personalities, because I think now in hindsight, I lacked a lot of emotional support or emotional needs there. So I was looking for confident kids. I was looking for sporty competence for security and for significance. And, um, so that's, it kind of made, now I feel like I'm very lucky to be adopted. I meet a lot of adoptees and foster children. I help lots of them out around Australia. And, um, some think it's, uh, they don't like it. 50% I reckon would say, Oh, I, I don't know. Some would say, oh, I love it. Yeah. Cause I've, I've been technically and, and, and literally chosen by people like my mum and dad chose me, which is pretty cool. I kind of lean on that and I'm very grateful of that. How would you just take such a positive attitude? Cause someone could just get dark on that and, uh, 
and take a filthy attitude and sort of oh, yeah. make a decision, um, they're pissed off and be dark on the world. I mean, what, what do you think it is that uh, – because it, this is sort of, I don't want to get into, I mean, I, I can't get into because I'm not a psychologist, but um, there is genetic uh, characteristics and there is, you know, s- socially developed characteristics. Yeah, so nature nurture kind yeah. of. Yeah. So do you think that, um, do you think it's your parents or your environment that actually helped you to be a positive thinker or do you think it's just something innate in you? I think it's mostly environmental for me. I think if I look back on my heritage, like the little bit of information I know about my background from the orphanage, I went back to my orphanage when I was 20 and I'll tell you the story. I tell this to kids. Wow. You, you, so, okay. You've been back there. Okay. I've Let's been back there. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I've been back to South Korea. I was, uh, I was doing some music over there and I visited Eastern Child Welfare and that's the main agency for Koreans, uh, for adoptees. And I was sat down and I was told, um, this story about how my birth mother was a you know, middle school educated woman, very young, like under 20, and was very uneducated and lived on the farm. And my birthday, my biological father was a city guy. He delivered goods out to the, the farms. And they met one night and they, he slept over and he went on his way and she fell pregnant. And she didn't have a mum, so she looked after her dad and two younger brothers. And her description was, physical description was five foot two, and they said this, this word, and fat. I said, fat? Can you say curvy? You know, like just <laughs> beautiful, whatever. Like a bit, the Korean harshness, whatever. But explain why, because she didn't know she was pregnant. So her frame hid, you know, a lot of the obvious symptoms of size. I don't know what she was thinking about the kicks, but anyway, I felt, I've got two daughters myself, so it's like pretty obvious. And so she didn't know she was pregnant. So this terrified young girl was in the barn one day uh, just doing her duties and she hit labor. No, wow. no doctors, no anesthetic, no drugs. And a next door neighbor heard the cries and came and delivered me on the barn floor without any assistance. And I say I'm Asian Jesus because I was born on a barn floor in another country, coming over another country to save the world. That's, that's my story. But, um, I find that's pretty profound. That's to me. Cause, um, talking about nature and nurture, nature is, I need, like, we came from, I came from a farmland, like survival, or, you know, like uh, evolution, like survival of the fittest. You've got to like upskill. You've got to find, you've got to be savvy, you know, hard, you've got to work hard. And a lot of Koreans do have a very competitive nature. That's definitely innate in me. I'm very competitive. I want to be the best at what I do. And my nurture side, but was a lot of beliefs. I had a lot of, um, I grew up in a church that really affected very positive like uh, beliefs in me about how I see things. Um, I've got a very big worldview on life, but that really helped me a lot. Kept me out of trouble being in a youth group, playing music and stuff like that as a kid. And um, so I, I kind of look at my life and go, well, listen, life hands you a bunch of cards and what's the alternative to not playing them the best you can? What's the alternative? Like mm. throw them back, you know, quit, just exit the world. That's the only thing you got, but you got to play the hand you've been dealt the best you can. And enjoy it. And enjoy it. Yeah. And um, leverage of what, look at the opportunities you've been blessed with. Like, I mean, Mark, getting deep, but like human beings died from plague, war and famine for thousands of years. And now we're born now in such a time where we're life expectancy. So high crimes and all time low. Um, We've got more first world issues like suicide and obesity and mental health. And that's all very big concerns. But um, we are pretty lucky to be born in this time. 
So when you can find those things, and that's one of my cards. I mean, like, man, I'm so grateful that I'm here. I should be on my knees thanking the universe or life that I'm alive now. But why do you think, tell me though, why is it that Matt Purcell thinks that? I mean, thinks that way. I mean, like you got a choice. You can think, uh, you could think uh, I'm filthy. I never got to, my parents, my, my adopted parents got divorced. My, I never got to meet my father, um, mm. nor my mother. Um, I presume, have you met your mum? No. No, you never no. got to meet your mum. I've never met my biological parents. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I got, you know, I got brought up in Newcastle as the only Asian kid in the school or in the class or whatever the case may be. Why, why, is there some sort of deep background of Christianity there that maybe uh, helps you see the good side of things and, and be grateful? Cause it sounds to me like you're employing that card called gratefulness, which is a technique, you know, Buddhists use and lots of religions use this sense of gratefulness mm. to actually help you out of the mire when you feel a bit down like, or you got reason to be dirty on the world. I mean, that mm. sense of gratefulness. And by the way, in business, it's something that's really important that should always be used. Uh, you know, we should always sit back and count our blessings and, our, and be grateful for what we're doing. I mean, I often talk about when we can't work out how to do something, we look at why we're doing something, what it is we're doing, what's our purpose. And if our purpose is a good and a right purpose, mm -hmm. that actually helps rescue us from the quagmire of uh, not knowing how to fix something. Mm -hmm. um, and what you're talking about is, um, well, you know, how is it that, you know, you know, uh, how, how do I make myself more like everybody else perhaps? Um, mm. But you keep coming back to, well, you know, I'm grateful because I actually have, have dealt a fairly good hand. I mean, what is it that fundamentally drives you to have, understand this concept of gratefulness? Have you always understood the concept no, of gratefulness? No, no, not at all. And I think it's, I think I was shown it through role models. I think. Well, who's big, your role model? Tell me your role models so back I've when you are younger. When I was younger, um, there are lots of things my parents aren't very good at. They're human beings, and there's lots of things that they're great role models for. My dad's always been, he's one of the top bankers in Australia at the time, like financial planners for Combank, and my mum was just the best mum ever. So I had a great, you know, patient moral model and a great work ethic. And when the separation hit um, me when I was six, they uh, saw I was a bit weird. I got a bit strange and started trying too hard as a young kid trying to fit in, and they employed... No, like they, they, um, put me into an environment like in church and sports and different people where, uh, I was, I was surrounded by coaches and older people and, uh, the particular church I was, I went to was full of charismatic, cool guys that were pretty, you know, like pretty clean living. Like they weren't into anything, you know, out there, but they, um, they were really nice, you know, and they talked about deep stuff like. That's the thing. We can talk about the what and the how, but the why is the most important. What you said about purpose, uh, that's what I, I think the best thing that Christianity did for me was make me think about that more. The existential question, like existentialism means what does it mean to be? What does it mean to be a human being? And if you strip back all the success and peel back the layers of the onion, what actually are we? And what is actually life made up of? What's the default position of life? And that kind of, those questions that helped me look at my life differently. It wasn't like anyone, because no one can make me think what, no one can control me. It's like people influencing me to think a certain way by being interested in me and living a life that models a certain value. So it's, it's really deep. But I think Christianity really helped me as a kid to think about purpose. And I think the fundamental thing that drives what I do is purpose. And purpose is found in values, Mark. For me, it's like, I was going to say, what is your purpose? And I mean, it takes a long time to, to, 
derive the purpose. Yeah, it is. And it's it probably like, evolves a little bit over time as so, we mature. But what is where do you see your purpose now? Because that sort of takes us into what you are doing in yeah, terms of your business. But what is your purpose? I mean, what do you see is your reason for being? And, and why do you feel the need, is my assessment of it, to teach everybody mm. or to ex- express it to well, all your followers, etc.? That's a great question. The answer to that is... I've, I believe I've received a lot of, I guess, favor that's unmerited. So my parents choosing me, for example, from the fundamental point of my life. So I was chosen. I was um, given value by, not by my own merit, but because someone else was good to me. Uh, I was given opportunities. And um, the, my mentors, um, my particular mentor right now to this day, is, his name's Darren McMahon. He, um, he runs a, one of the biggest charities in Australia for helping chaplains across Australia in schools. And he has a family of five and still manages to be on the road and manage family. It's very rare to find. And I, I really look up to guys like that. And um, so I've been given a lot and you can't give what you don't have. You can't give 50 bucks if you don't have 50 bucks. You can't give knowledge unless you don't have it. So because I've received so much love and support and um, I don't know, even my challenges overcoming them, like my story, I think people need to hear because you've got to be responsible. That's my message is like, my purpose is to show people that, hey, um, no matter if you're adopted, if you're fostered, if you've been treated like crap, um, you have a choice because I have a choice. You're not born a winner or a loser. You're born a chooser. That's what I reckon. And um, I want to show that that's, that's, I'm a role model. I, I want to model that kind of a value because so many people are suffering out in the world. I suffered for a while. I still suffer to this day, but I have to choose in the moment what do I do? Who am I? What is life about? What opportunities are presented in front of me? Do I want to win? Do I want to learn? Do I want to just quit? It's always these choices around me. But the thing that anchors me is that idea that everyone has innate value. No matter if you're disabled, if you're divorced or whatever status you got on, it doesn't matter. I believe everyone has a divinity about them. And, I, and, and it's just amazing the reaction I'm seeing online and in schools around Australia and in conferences People respond to such little encouragement. People just, I don't know if they're getting encouraged a lot, Mark. Have they been told that? It's like the wishy-washy optimism. It's like, well, no, you, you've got the ability because you're a human being. You can choose. What are you going to choose? Why not choose something that's good for you? Or what if someone, has anyone said you're worth it? Well, it's sort of like, uh, to be honest with you, like we've got all these great platforms today that that you worked really, you worked really well and really hard, but it seems to me that you choose to be a teacher mm. and you're teaching what you've learned or what you've been given. That is the right, to, the right, to, the understanding, the to right to make a choice mm. and a positive choice at that. So, you know, just, you know, I've, I've known you for a bit now and I've been, I've watched you, I follow you on Instagram, et cetera. And, um, Teachers are rare today. Lots of people want to be teachers, uh, <laughs> especially on Instagram, um, but not many are. Um, and mainly because, well, I think the reason why the good ones are good at it is because A, they've got a story, but B, they feel the compulsion to express the story. And that's, that's my gut feeling about you. You have this compulsion to express your story. Mm. 
And it's and I didn't really be honest with you until I read the brief this this morning. I didn't realize, or yes, I didn't realize that you were adopted. Although I suspected from your name that there was something unusual. <laughs> yes, I didn't know what it was. But so I'm not saying you actually gone out. I've I've never seen this. You you tell us on Instagram that you were adopted. I haven't seen that anywhere. Maybe it is in there somewhere, but I haven't seen it anywhere. But your the story that you're teaching to me is about just positive vibes, positive attitude, and having a crack mm. and doing your best. Yeah, and doesn't matter. What, what the outcomes are, just keep going, keep having a crack and enjoying it mm. and, and being open and fun and honest. That's what I get from you. That's the yeah. vibe I get from you. Yeah, great. And, uh, and the, those sorts of people are rare. Um, and what you're telling me now is you actually don't recognize so much the rareness of it, but what you're recognizing is that's what you do. That's really important um, to know what you are good at in terms of what other people think you're good at, not what you think you're good at, what other people think you're good at. Mm. So what you've just told me is what I think you're good at, mm-hmm. which is perfect because it's not what you're formed in your mind. It's what you think I formed in my mind. Mm. And too many people out there in business um, want to, they take a view on what they're good at, but it's not the view everyone else holds. Yeah, it's true. Um, the view you hold is exactly with the view that I hold about yourself. So if you do that, that's a great formula. Yeah. That's a great formula. And we talked – I know you are a deep dude. I mean, you, you. I know you think about a lot of stuff. I can imagine that actually gets you in a bit of trouble sometimes um, mm-hmm. because you you can go down too deep, not you, anybody. You can sort of descend a little bit into the pit, mm-hmm. the deep pit of thought. Um, yes. <laughs> and because uh, we did talk briefly about something last week, which I, because you came in with my last, our last our guest last week. But um, I, I want to talk about that in a second, but, I just generally speaking, Matt, do you find that your thought process sometimes can get you into a bit of trouble with yourself? With myself? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the older I've gotten, the, the, and the more I've been wanting to peel back the layers of a topic or anything, the more I'm finding there's this endless <laughs> possibilities. Endless possibilities. It goes on for so on, on. It, it goes on and on and on. So I'm, an, I'm, I'm a lifelong student of, of life. I'm more of a philosopher but, uh, in, at heart. So I'm asking questions all the time. And that's what I kind of want to put out there too is um, I, I fell victim for a while of not thinking enough. And I think we all have where we've followed the crowd or we've like followed the herd mentality. You, know, you can't do this. You can do this, whatever. But this way of thinking has really helped me break free of limiting beliefs of myself and what's possible. But yes, it, it can get you in trouble. I mean, and what do you do to get out? Because I, I know what happens to me sometimes, and mm. uh, usually it's two o'clock in the morning or something, and <laughs> and and I get in. I can get in so deep, I get over my head. Yeah. And um, what what? And you got somehow you got to. I, I have this imagination. If I was to draw it, which I can't draw, but if I was to draw it, um, I would have. I would draw myself in a bottom of a well and my own arm reaching down and grabbing me by the scruff of the neck and pulling me out. Um, <laughs> uh, but my arm not being attached to anything. So, I mean, I've often thought about that. So what, what, how do you drag yourself out? Cause you know what? People in business, there are a lot of people in business who are overthinkers. Yeah. They overthink stuff. And I, I quite like the, the, the Nike motto, just do it mm-hmm. and oh, not right. overthink it. But unfortunately, um, people who know their marketplace and people who are good teachers like you, um, we tend to, it goes, it's, it's a sort of a concomitant characteristic that we overthink things. 
and that can get us in trouble. What do you use as a technique to stop yourself from overthinking? In other words, to just do it. A couple of things. I have three people in my phone that are just as deep as me and on different levels, actually. They've, they've got the same interest of talking about these things and I ring them up and we play chess, verbal chess. And it's fun. It's like sparring, Mark. Like it's, mm. You're testing out different moves. You're, you're going round and round. And that's helped me for years. I've done it since I was 12 with my best friend. He's, um, it's, it's really rare to find friends that you're still friends with from primary school. But, um, yeah, we're pretty much, if we recorded our conversations, that it's a bit trippy, man, but it's hel- it helps me get out of my head. Mm. Cause when you talk, you know, if you hear yourself talk about your thoughts, it's different to just letting them simmer in your head. And when you write them down, it's, it's great. So it gets, I think that's really important to like digest that through conversation and uh second thing is so you got what you're saying you got, you got to deal with the thoughts you got to deal just, with the uh, thoughts. just don't let them sort of uh, sort of uh float around your brain mm. otherwise it's just going to eat away at you it's like jiminy cricket sort of scratching his head his um paws above your head you've got to actually get those ideas out yeah and think and talk to someone about it, it I, I test them so it's like my podcast called the examine life mm-hmm. so i literally want to examine those thoughts because i think those thoughts many of my thoughts are led by my curiosity so I'm like, oh yeah, why, why is this, what's this word mean? Or what's, why is, why are people talking about this? Why is this a big deal? How can I attack that? And I'm thinking about it and then I go take it to my friend and then we, we smash it out. That really helps because I want to be everything, every thought I have, I want to do something with, I want to make it useful because, um, what's the point of being in this r- abstract, rational thought process? And just not being practical with anything, not being useful. It's just like, just, it's just dead weight. And do you use the examine life to play with these thoughts? I do a bit. Yes. And I also use it as an intentional platform for my listeners to hear like guys like yourself, um, story that your stories, because we, we tend to see successful people where they are now, but I just came back from Melbourne to talk to Janine Alice from Boost Juice. Right. So, um, I didn't know that she got pregnant when she was 27, you know, and was a single mum for years. Like that's the stuff that people don't know. And, and people just, there's an audience out there that thinks that you just get to the top without any work or you, you inherit it or that's bull crap. But that's, I test out lots of ideas in, in my guests. So like, well, what do you think about, I asked you about suffering on my mm. podcast and life and you're pretty deep dude too. You went straight there and you had a great answer. So, um, because, because what I guess where I'm going with this matters, I mean, you know how these podcasts work. Um, mm-hmm. where I'm going with this is, uh, there's no, to me, it's no surprise that from what you've just told us um, about your thought processes and the things that may well have influenced those thought processes, going right back to finding out you're adopted, um, you know, going to school in Newcastle that you're probably only only Korean kid in the class, mm-hmm. um, having a Taiwanese sister, um, then your parents separating. Um, there's no surprise to me that you are that you that you chose to be a thoughtful person, a person who thinks about things. Mm. And then it's no surprise that you now got a podcast called the examine life, which is you want to go out and examine other, other people's lives. I mean, you know, podcasts are selfish things mm. for me. A podcast is for my audience, but it's also for me. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and I call it the mentor because I'm a person who likes to ask everyone questions. Mm. I don't want to give people answers because I really don't know the answers to be frank with you. Mm. My answers are in the questions. Mm. So I call the mentor because I, my view on life is it's very much the Socratic style, Socrates style. Love it. 
mm. ask questions mm. and I then hear the answers. Yes. Okay, I want the answers from you. I, I want to know about Matt Purcell. I want to know what drives Matt Purcell. I want to know what makes Matt Purcell Purcell uh, 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 confident, successful, etc. And then I might borrow some of those things mm-hmm. or I might not or it might confirm something in my life. Matt Purcell, on the other hand, um, has just told us about some of the formative years and the formative events in his life. And interestingly enough, he's now got a business called, the podcast called The Examine Life. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you go around and examine everybody else. Yep. And you probably borrow some things from there. Oh, I love it. Is that yeah. what you do? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, I mean, success leaves clues. So I want to. It's a big puzzle, wanna, isn't it? It is. So, and I, I want to say to the audience so Matt's podcast is called The Examine Life. And uh, what I was trying to get to here, and I, I'm not trying to set everybody up, but I am, um, <laughs> is that um, I was sort of leading the witness here. And I wanted to get from Matt what drives him and why why he called his business The Examine Life because the guy is just a generally generally curious dude. Yep. And But curious about everybody else. And there's a reason why we're curious about everybody else because there's something's happening in our life that we want to put ourselves, we want to place ourselves on the map mm. in the jigsaw puzzle. We're trying to work out where we fit in. Yep. And Matt's probably still trying to do that mm. because since he's been a kid, he's probably trying to work out where the hell he fits in. Mm-hmm. And he's still doing it. And it's now become your business. Yeah. Examine life. I'm going to come go and have a break. And after the break, we're going to talk about Matt's business model, what he does, apart right. from Examine Life, how he uses this stuff to build businesses and build opportunities. We'll come right back. Welcome back to The Mentor, and I'm sitting here with Matt Purcell, and we've just gone through some of the things that drove, or some of the drivers, I guess, around his thought processes, and how we sort of somehow turned some of those thought processes into what his podcast is today. But what I want to know, that's the podcast being called The Examined Life, but what I want to know from Matt, Matt, what I want to know from you, mate, is can you just sort of lay out for me, on like in front of me now, mm-hmm. what are the various undertakings that you have in terms of what occupies your day outside of family and, you know, fun stuff like mm. examine life, the green room. What are those things? Tell me what they are. So a foundational part of my life uh, for business is the green room. Yep. And then it's the examine life podcast. Yep. And it's speaking. So schools, conferences, corporate. And um, now it's, I've got another business venture next year doing content for big businesses. Okay. Let's, Let's flip back then, the examine life. I mean, I, I know what you do there. I've been on it. The examine life is you go and do podcasts. People tell, tell me about the examine life. Give, give, me, give me a little um, uh, crisp sort of um, explanation of what the examine life is as so a podcast. The podcast premise is to interview high-performing Australians or or individuals in, in, in any area, mostly positive individuals to have. Uh, I don't want to share their story. I want to dig into similar what you do is like, well, I want to know how you got from A to B and B to C and C to D. And I want to know what challenges you had. And, and what that does is when, when people hear that, when I hear their challenges, when I hear, you know, they got trained or I, I, I really, I really hear that. Well, not many people I've met interviewed so far knew what they were going to do when they were a kid. Not many people, um, had it all given to them by their family so it's it engages so many people with their it kills any assumption that success is just like an overnight thing. Mm. It kills all these stupid things that 
social media is kind of creating this, you know, illusion of that, you know, you can just do a post and boom. It's like, man, nah, it's one in a, one in a million. So, and then I personally get to meet and network. So like, like you said, it was a selfish thing. I love rubbing shoulders and um, with, with people who are better than me at something because I want to learn. I'm a lifelong student, like I said. So I've learned so much by, with my skills, finding the right people to talk to. Um, it's helped my business skills to be able to find managers, um, construct, you know, good pitches and to be able to get A to B, you know, like with lining up the logistics and then finding like my media man here, Alex Winner, shout out to Alex, and bringing out my team as well to be able to use every opportunity we have to leverage off. Like you've, you're recording this audio, you're recording it visual, you can go to multiple platforms, that's what smart people do. Yeah, they leverage their opportunities. Yeah, and, and look, and I want people listening to this to understand something, this is really important. Leverage where you can. Mm. I mean, if you're going to be in business or you're starting a business or you're or you're already in business, you don't think you're getting enough airtime, and I mean like just broadcast about what you do, you got to start leveraging. Like, And it doesn't matter whether you leverage on a podcast or whether you just leverage leveraging with a person down the road who might tell someone else about you. They're all leverage. Mm. And, I, and I don't have an issue, and some people, oh, well, you shouldn't leverage, it's not really cool. That's bullshit. Yeah. Um, you know, like if you've got a, 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 a good, if you're good at heart and you're not trying to do the wrong thing by someone, there's nothing wrong with leveraging. So- I mean, I know this happens. Matt interviews me um, and then he tells someone else, look, you know, these are people I've interviewed. Um, and then people go, oh, wow, you've interviewed those people. Okay. Well, I don't mind being on the show. Yeah. that's uh, There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. That's how it works. So because whilst the the um, the examined life is has a good purpose to it and it, it actually is telling good, getting other people to tell their stories to other people, to your listeners, and you've got a pretty good following, particularly, I mean, I, I look at what your, your podcast and your Instagram accounts, they, they, you've got a lot of people following you. Whilst it's valuable to all those people, and it's also valuable to you, yes, I think it's actually valuable to the people whose lives are being examined because it's important for all of us to talk about or remind ourselves or to be asked the question that we don't ordinarily ask ourselves, why are you doing something in a certain way? Mm. It, it gets us an opportunity to examine our own lives. So I think overall, all round, the examine life or that style of broadcast is really good for everybody, listeners, for you, for the person whose life you're talking about, et cetera. So that's why it's successful. If it's a, if it's good for everything, everyone, it's always going to be successful. That's yeah. my view on it. Yeah. And I think you're doing a great job in that in that regard. But equally, you are gathering what I call, um, I guess followers are like a disciples. Yeah, that's true. Students, you thought, oh, yeah. yeah, they're disciples. You, you, you are. There is a commercial benefit to all this. Mm. Every one of those people who listen to this good story, or the stories, every one of them has a commercial advantage to you, mm. one way or the other. It doesn't mean they're going to pay any money, not necessarily, but there is a there is commercial value in them, and there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't take away from the good purpose in the beginning. Mm. Um. But at the same time, you are cleverly building a very good audience mm. who one day you might have something valuable to give to them. Yes. How much of, how much time and effort goes into that thought process of there is this ancillary benefit and where do you balance them up? When, because I know some people who run their social media accounts and it's only about the commercial benefit. Yeah. And it's really obvious to me. 
and I, I'm in some I follow because not because I want to follow. I just I follow because I want to see that. I want I'm I'm interested in that. And at what point does that sort of start to run off? Mm. How do you sort of because then a lot of people think oh I'm going to get an Instagram account. I got to get, get myself fifty thousand followers. How am I <laughs> going to do it? I mean, how do you balance those things up? You know, when is the right purpose the the main objective, and the rest is ancillary? And when do you sort of say no, no, that those followers are really, really important to me, and you know, I, I, I'm going to chase people as opposed to deliver the right story? Yeah, well, Instagram, like the platforms, to me, like I'm a creative at heart too, so I would be doing it for fun anyway, like even if I didn't have a product to sell, because. Like you, like you already pointed out, I just want to give back and, and share my story. I feel compelled to do it. Um, but I think I'm not quite sure how to answer the question, to be honest, Mark, in the sense of when does it become right or wrong to be able to focus on one more than the other. But what I'm doing at the moment is I want to increase the level of authenticity and, and, and more showcasing my family more and different elements of real life because I'm, I work hard, I'm creative, I'm deep, and I'm a dad and I'm married. And some people just focus on one only. And they, they look like workaholics and they don't have any fun. You know, and so I want to be that role model. The key word is model to be able to say, hey, listen, you can have fun, you can work hard, you can have a family, you can um, travel, and you don't have to just be insecure about, oh, I have to post about my product every second. Cause you know, you can, too much of a good thing will kill you. Like too much water will make you drown. Too much food will make you fat. Too much, just pushing the button so hard on something can be. So how do you moderate that? Because that, that, that's, that's a real skill, that moderation ability. It's tinkering. So I, it's strategy. So trial and error, engage, like looking at engagement, looking at, um, well, um, putting a plan together. So at the moment with my grid, for example, looking at grids, getting real practical. I like to do, I was doing one quote one post about business, then a quote about something else, then something about my family. And so keep it on rotation. What values do I want to be seen on my feed? Yeah, and what values do it really, really matter to me? And that's what I do. So at the moment, I'm mucking around with another kind of strategy where I want to do more photos and more videos instead of having that pressure of coming up with quotes all the time or content like that. So I'm doing three quotes and then doing six posts of, you know, like family, business, uh, mentoring and videos and then another line. So I've got this frame around my Instagram feed. So you're always trying new things too. Yeah, always. Yeah. And, um, and I'm looking at the analytics, you're looking at the ana analytics and you're working out what works, what doesn't work. Yep. So when you say what works, what doesn't work, do you ever say to yourself, what well, that worked for me as opposed to, I mean, you're looking at just pure, pure responses and engagement in terms of the analytics or do you sort of say, no, no, hang on. I got no engagement on that one. No one really gives a shit about it, but it was important to me. Mm. Do you ever? Oh yeah, that that balance. Yeah, sometimes I just with with some of the values. Like I said, I got a whole bunch of values that I want rotated. My family, you know, I, I'm just going to do that because I love them. I don't care if people don't like it or not. I was like, I'm not going to shame. I'm not ashamed. Well, can I ask that. a question? Sorry, can I ask a question on that one there? Because that that's interesting. Some people say, if you're going to put your private life up, have a have. Have Some, a private, have a private Instagram, and make it like you know, uh, just your family, your friends. Look at that. Um, mm. Or, but other people say, no, no, no I'm going to put everything in one place. I, I'm, I'm sharing everything. So yeah. What about that thought that's process? A, that's a choice. Um, definitely, it's a choice because privacy's privacy's important. And you don't. Some people don't want the whole world looking at their holidays and all that, and their kids growing up. 
But there's also a choice of, well, I'm going to, I'm a public figure. I want, I'm aiming to become a big public figure and a role model to, to millions of people. So I want to show them a mode of living that I, I'm intentionally want them to see parts of my life and my family and my wife is cool, cool with that as well. So there's an agreement there as well. So we're not hurt, hurting anyone's feelings. What about your kids though? What about my kids? My daughters? Yeah. You've got, you got a little baby. Yeah, a little um, baby. She's about three, four weeks old. Yeah, four weeks, four old. weeks old. And you've got another daughter? Yeah, yeah. Isla. Yeah. yeah. Um, they don't have a say in it. Um, I mean, some people say you shouldn't do that. What, 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 what's your thought process on that for people listening who are thinking about doing something similar? Like, what do you, how do you work through that? Do I include my children in? Well, what, what are people's fears for posting a photo of their kids? What are, what are the fears? I don't know the answer to that. Um, yeah. But like, there are people who have fear about it or who yeah. have views on it. Yeah, they, there are. I remember Roxy Jusenko got in a bit of trouble doing that um, maybe two years ago. Um, mm. uh, there was some issues around her uh, posting photographs up of her daughter. Um, there, w- there were a few stalkers or something. I can't remember exactly the, the process, what happened. And I had it on the show. She talked about it, but I, I well, don't yeah. quite remember it. But what do you think about it? What would you say to listeners now in terms of the decision-making around that? Well, with privacy with your kids, I think it's a lot of common sense stuff. Like you don't post like, oh, yeah, I live here in this in this area of the world or like you can say what city you're in. Um, yeah, there are some creepy people out there. There are. Um, but I still feel like they're... We're jealous people. Yes, lots of jealous people. I think there's lots of env- envy, envious, envious people, mm. very envious people. It's a powerful, it's a powerful characteristic in, in someone. It can, can, it can be harmful. I mean, do you, are you ever consider? And, and and by the way, envious people aren't necessarily people you might expect. They're people mm. who can uh, store envy. Yeah, and they can be sponge and yeah, yeah. and they can sort of create a problem for you. Have you gone through those that, that thinking, talking to your wife, your partner, and saying to her, you know, like, how do we deal with this? Do you have co- open conversations about it? Yeah, we, there's nothing off the table uh, with that kind of thing. And at the moment, with the girls being, you know, very cute, yeah, and growing up, and they're very cute, man. Like, I got to say, the half Asian, so the first blood relatives, by the way. At the moment, the stage of life, I think it's great. Yeah, we might make some decisions later on, but I can't say right now. If we'll we'll stop it all together later on or not, but that's at the at the moment we've just chosen to share our cute season of our life as a as a young family, and I think it's in, inspiring and encouraging the people. And if anyone's en- envying that or they are jealous of that, I'm like, well, that's your problem because I'm not putting in anything in the world that's hating on someone, that's targeting anyone. There's nothing in my captions or anything in the world that I'm doing. I think that is objectively hurting people. But you're careful about it. Yeah, I try to be very yeah. careful about it, yeah. And, and then let's just flip over now because I mean, so what you're doing is you're gathering people who follow you there. Yep, yep. And, and you, you're giving them good content and you're you're giving them something to follow you. It's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the green room. Yes. What? Tell me what the green room is. What is that? The green room is a school. You could call it a school. It's a membership-based business model. So it, we teach music tuition, academic tuition, and we do life coaching. So it's a form of counselling proper mentoring with a proper program and we're NDIS providers. You heard of NDIS, yep. National, Bis- National Disability Insurance Scheme. Yep. So we help people with autism and it's wonderful. And that all came about because when I was about 18, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I actually joined a charity which traveled Australia to speak in schools and I saw a great need 
amongst families in rural areas and cities and um, for for centres or places that actually built hard skills in the kids but were, did it in a relational way, in a very tailored nature. So if a kid wanted to be a rock star, um, learning on YouTube is very impersonal. It's very monotone, like very one way. Finding a mentor who's in the local area, has contacts, that's important to for me, it was very important being a museo when I was doing it full time. So I wanted to provide, create like with uh, the school needs for student, creative mentors, academic mentors, and social emotional mentors. How's it work? So like I, I'm a parent. I got a kid who's ten, wants to be a piano, a pianist, mm-hmm. um, or I don't know, whatever. Music, just wants to learn music. Um, what do I do? Do I sign? How does it work? Oh, that's a great question. So you'd find us through our website or social media, and it's mostly through social media and all that. And um, you'd ring us up or you'd contact us, and you'd on the website, it's very clear. It's like you could sign up your kid to piano, but at the same time, we can transfer that to, hey, do you need some math- mathematics? How's your kid's academic skills? How are they going at school? Are they getting bullied? And kids literally sometimes rock out three days a week or one day, and we manage to... They walk out of their music lesson into an academic session and, and then academic session maybe into a session. But, is it, but, is, yeah, but is it like, sort of like, is it on every day at 4 p.m. after school finishes? Or yeah, it's like you, you book in a time slot. Right, you book in a time. And, yeah. and, 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 and it's it's sort of like a webinar. Mm. No? No, not really. It's, it's no. one-on-one, one-on-one in person. Yeah. Right, so you, you find teachers. Do you find yeah. a teacher? So it's a marketplace. Is it a marketplace? For example, a student meets teacher. Yeah. And you find teacher and you open up to the student. Yeah. So I find right. a team. I train them. Yeah. We've got 22 on, on the team. Yep. And we have 450 families a week come through. Right. And, and um, those 22 teachers teach the 450 kids. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, and you provide the platform for that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, would you take a clip or? Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we also, um, so we actually have a bricks and mortar building. So we, yep. we hire a building out and we've got multiple rooms and we've got a studio as well. Is it in Sydney? It's in Newcastle. Newcastle, right. Yep. Yeah. And we've got two campuses in Newcastle. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been running for six years next year. Right. Yeah. And the kids pay per lesson or per group yep. of lessons or. You can do casual. Yeah. It's kind of like a gym because you can go casual, which is a higher rate. Yep. Or you could go membership, which is right. all year round. Right. Or term round. Yep. And it steadies cash flow and. I mean, helps pay everything. So, so what are the disciplines you teach music? Uh, in what music disciplines do you have? Um, piano, violin, what, what do you got? There? We don't do um, uh, string instruments like violin and cello. We sit with more popular contemporary instruments like guitar, songwriting, vocals, piano, drums. Right. And we offer end-of-term recitals every term. Yep. We do YouTube clips for the kids. We create opportunities for performances for the kids. So we're very – the incentive is to get them – um, gig ready, like performance ready, because that's the best way to showcase how they've progressed. Right. And you, um, you, no, for example, say I'm going to give you the pianoforte. Um, mm. I'm not. I'm not. You're not taking kids through the pianoforte. Um, typical exams like you know, year one, year two, year three, year four. You're getting ready for gigs. Yeah, there we have the option. So it's very tailored to tuition. So if a right. parent comes, a parent has a lot of say with some of their kids, particularly if they're very young. Like, oh, we'd love her to do grades. We we can do the AMEB right. exams. Yep. Okay, cool. And then and then there's obviously other, there's school school subjects like maths. Yeah, maths, and, English and science. Right, okay. Because, I mean, I, I know lots of parents now who um, are really ambitious about the kids or just not way ambitious, just worry about the kids and want to make sure the kids keep up to date. They send them to places like Kumon and uh, all those sorts of things. They're, they're quite good outcomes. It's good discipline for the kids too. I mean, mm. and to know, okay, Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m., school's finished, but you've got to go and do all this stuff. 
once a week or once a fortnight, whatever however it works. I think it's great. So that's that's a that's a business model. Do those people do they cross over onto the examined life? Do those parents actually follow you on the examined life too? They do. You, do you sort of let's call it harvest, or do you uh, <laughs> do you talk to them through the examined life as well? Yeah. So they help each other. They help, everything that I do like connects and benefits from each other. So like um, an example of someone I follow is say Gary V, right? Mm-hmm. Gary V is a big loud yep. loud guy. He has Vayner Media. And his and his all and his Gary V profile is separate to that, but they both leverage off each other, and they both have transferable um, benefits. Yep, Greenroom has that. Examine Life has that. Matt Purcell has that. So let me just tell me to Matt Purcell. So Matt Purcell, the speaker, mm-hmm. um, you speak at gigs mm-hmm. or corporate functions or whatever it is. Yep. Do you tell? Is it the same story? I mean, what I don't mean, I don't mean is you telling the same story, but <coughs> is it? Is it the the same sort of um, messaging that you're talking about today in relation to the examined life and to the green room? Is that what you, is that part of your 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 engagement with the audience when you speak at a gig? Yeah, it's mentioned in there, a big part of what I do and where I come from. I mean, it's kind of like um, if you're a speaker, you've got almost like a set list of messages that yep. you specialize in. So if you're in business or mental health and all that, which I do speak on, um, that's that's where I touch on and I and I bring make sure I, I mention all the things I'm doing in case it interests somebody and it might connect with somebody and it might even attract new customers. You know, like you got to put it out there. You got to yeah. be in it to win it. So, because I want one of the listeners to understand is this is really important. But what Matt's just gone through now and what we've unpacked and repacked is that broadcast is extraordinarily important. Like marketing today is about broadcasting and and broadcasting today is about picking platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not your typical platforms. It used to be television or radio, but there are a whole lot of platforms today. You know, ones ones the digital media me, mediums or media, which is um, you know Instagram, Facebook, probably not so much Facebook these days, but certainly Instagram and various other d- digital mediums. That it's also podcasting, which is effectively today's new radio, mm-hmm. um, and then it's in person, um, and every opportunity is another layer, and marketing is about layering. Mm. marketing your proposition is about layering. And if you want to market well, you've got to have a story. And so Matt takes his story and he projects it and expresses it through the platforms, which are digital, um, in person. So he does it in person by getting other people to teach people. Yeah. That's Matt's that they become his like, there is his apostolate and uh, they're out there t- and building more disciples. Yeah. So to speak. Yep. And then he does it in person. And, you know, that might not be as regular, but every if you talk to 10 people, 20 people, 100 people, it's all part of the layering. Mm. And if they like it, they might say they might uh, put something on their um, social media, but they also might uh, tell their friend. Uh, I, I met this guy, you know, I listened to this guy today called Matt Purcell. He's got a really cool story. Or today they're listening to this and they'll say, we listen to uh, Boris talk to Matt Purcell and uh, I'm going to listen to what Matt Purcell's got to say. What I'm trying to say to you, if you're a listener and you're trying to build a profile, not for profile sake, but to actually market your business or your message, mm-hmm. then you need a story and you just need a story. Everyone's got a story. Yep. I don't give a shit. You don't have to have been born in Korea, in a farm, adopted by Australians and brought up in Newcastle. You have a story and it's an interesting story. Everybody has one. You just have to work it out. You have to work out how to express it, how to narrate it. Then you have to find the platforms to do the narration. And the three platforms that Matt's using are the ones I just went through. And that's really important. And I don't care. You don't have to be employed. You don't have to be managed by Saxons or Fordhams or someone like that to go and do a, a, a speaking gig. 
You can be talking to 10 people. You can be talking to your friend. Yeah. You could be at a barbecue. Have your story ready and be ready to keep narrating it and just get really polished at telling your story. Mm. And what's interesting about the story, everyone's story, is that I'll be honest with you, it doesn't really matter what the history books show in relation to your life. We actually create our own story. Mm. Um, and it's neurological and we build our story. There's a book called Neurocomic and uh, it's written by um, a neuroscientist and uh, and a um, graphic artist um, who this graphic artist draws it in a comic sense um, how you tell a story about neuroscience and right at the end and it goes through the processes of all the various parts of the brain. It's not a very short book. It's quite good called Neurocomic. And um, what it does is it tells us right at the end how we build a story about ourselves and how we actually live that story out. Mm. So Matt's telling me a story, his story, his, who he is, um, and that's something he has been building and every and, and might not necessarily reflect the facts. And I don't mean that you were not an orphan. I don't mean that. But how you think of yourself is not really the facts of how you were. It's how you've developed a story about yourself, which is how you think about yourself. That's and true. the more you talk about it, the more it becomes the truth. <laughs> and because the truth is what you talk about and what you believe in. And uh, it's not facts. It's just what you believe in. And it's what neurologically you believe in, how you form your, your circuitry. Mm. And all of us have got to work on our story if you want to be in business. Yep. And make sure it's a good story, it's a positive story, and make sure it's a, a good purpose, a right purpose. And people will be interested to hear about it as long as you tell it well. And then you've got to find the platforms that tell it in and on. And you've got to do it over and over and over again. It just doesn't stop. Mm. And that's what you're doing. Mm. You do it over and over and over again. Mm. And you're now doing it through other people. Mm -hmm. Every time a teacher helps a kid who comes onto the green room, that parent and one day that kid thinks about Matt Purcell and the story that Matt Purcell has. Mm -hmm. And every single one of those people is your representative. Because mm. not only the teacher, but the kid. And the kid one day will tell the story. Yep. I went to this at Stedford and I did really well in my... Uh, Playing the Hungarian Rhapsody, you know, by Litz. Um, in and I before that, I had no confidence. I was terrible, but I got up and I played. I made a few mistakes, but I got a clap, and I felt good about myself. And I did that because I went to the green room, mm -hmm. and my teachers, Mary Lou, from mm -hmm. Newcastle, and um, and uh, and Matt Purcell is the guy who built the green room, and uh, I'm going to follow Matt Purcell. Mm -hmm. He's a cool guy, and that's is that your story? Yeah. It's a very big part of it. It's well done. Yeah. And, and, but it works. And because what we're here to do, you and I are here to do today, is I, I like to be a teacher too. Mm. And we're here to tell the people who are listening to this, people aren't as lucky as us at this stage. Mm -hmm. People who are desperate have a, a search and a need to know more stuff, a thirst. Yep. To hear people like you and I talk. Yep. And hopefully they can just get one little thing out of all this that actually puts them on their way to doing it, the thing that they've been dreaming about. Mm. And that's sort of really important to me. That's what I want to do. Mm. And um, that's why I have guests like you on here because you, you inspire these people. You know, it's not because you were an orphan who grew up in Korea, but you took all that and did something with it. Yeah. That's the deal. Mm -hmm. Doing something with it. Yeah. And making it work for you. Mm -hmm. And that's how you can think positively. You can choose. I, I always, I agree with you. You've got to make choices. We, we, we're, given the opportunity to make choices. Mm. If we make it, but when we're making a choice, choose to access the emotions 
that work for you. So that's why I always say it's nothing wrong with paranoia. It's good to be have a bit of paranoia. Nothing wrong with being obsessed. Good to have a bit of obsession. As long as you know to put them back once you finish with it. Mm. And if you just look around and see all the things that are available to us, like you do, you've looked around and you saw, you chose to see that growing up, being born as an orphan, or some, being born to a mother in a barn with not knowing your father, biological father or your biological mother, then being adopted by people who then unfortunately separated, but they still loved you. But you chose to just access that when you need it and put it back yeah. when you don't need it. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's sort of quite brilliant. I mean, you're only, what, 29? Yeah. I don't know how the hell you guys work this shit out when you're so young. It's took me like 60-odd years to work this stuff out. But um, that's to me, that's brilliant. And uh, people should be inspired by that. I mean, for, by the way, you're looking at he looks like he's 12. Yeah. He's probably only tw- he's only 29, though. <laughs> Mo and all, right? So, but, he, but he's a young guy who's got all his shit together. And uh, that's the stuff that inspires me and um, should inspire you as a listener. Um, and this guy's on his way to doing something big. I want to know from you one question I have for you because yes. we run out of time. Been, we could talk for hours, but could, yeah. where do you want to land? Matt Purcell, 60 years of age. No, oh, okay. Where, where would you like to be? Business or just in life in general? Who are you? I'd like to have set up my like the creative stuff I'm doing now. I'd love to have that automated, managed well, um, turning over income to be able to Give me the freedom to be able to spend my time with my family. Uh, my family is everything to me, and see and experience all the things that we want to experience. Travel, do all those things, and also have a very uh, okay. Big, that's a smaller picture. That's a micro picture. Okay, give me the big picture. Too. Big big dream. Um, I'd love to be a thought leader in overcoming challenges. The idea of, you know, when you think about role models, you think about guys that lift existed between this period. Matt Purcell was one of those guys that you should listen to. He wrote books, he spoke, he traveled, he did all these things, but his message is key. And um, that's what I want to be known for is like a, a thought leader and, and a role model all the way from my age now to 60 until I'm dead. Is it a big dream though? Like are you dreaming big? Is it Matt Purcell a big dream or is Matt Purcell, he did all these good things, cool, but, or is it Matt Purcell a big dream? I want to be the thought leader. Yeah, well, that's a big challenge. That's a bit um it's probably that's probably my limit right now is my thought of what I think I'm worth in that area. Where's the cap? So I always think my Why have a cap. Huh? Why have a cap? Maybe it's a bit of false humility. Why why bother? Why don't you just say I'm going kicking a go, I'm going for it? Yeah, why not? I think that's a good question. Why not just say, Yep, that Purcell and the things I stand for. Um that's my, my hesitation that you're hearing is part of my, uh, philosophy at the moment. It's like, I, I think when Matt Purcell's dead and long gone, when Mark Boris is dead, long gone, what is it? Is it the name, his name that lasts or is it what he stood for and what he did and what he created that lasts and goes on? I want or to create that lasts or his dream. Yeah. It's like, I'm trying to find out what's the what's the thing that's going to last? What it, Am I really that big, that important? What about if I said to you, none of those things last? Mm-hmm. The only thing that matters is your dream. What's your big dream, mate? Just to do what I said then. To be, to be able to spread the message I'm saying now to as many people as possible and to hear the feedback that if it's, if it's how it's benefited them, 
because I really believe in what I'm saying. I, I've seen it work and I've seen people's lives turn around. So I want to see that all across the globe. And I want Now to... we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah. Go for, yeah. Well, why not? Because mm-hmm. you know what? There's two types of people in the world. There's one person who asks why mm-hmm. and the other one that says, why not? Which one are you? Why or why not? Why not? That's the one. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't matter whether you achieve or not. That's the big dream. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not have a crack? Why not do it? I'm going to go for it. Yep. You can do it. Mm-hmm. That's the, I tell you now, that's the starting point. Yep. If you think, talk, ask why, you will never get there. If you ask why not, if you say why not, as opposed to asking why, you got, that's the start. That's how you get there. Mm. Mm. And then after that, there's a whole lot of stuff that's got to get involved. Luck, timing, rising tides, you know, everything else. There's a whole stack of things that sort of get involved. But mm. start off with why not. Mm. And just keep dreaming, mate. It's going to 29. Yeah. Matt Purcell, thanks very much. That was awesome. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it.